Hey friends, welcome to the inaugural episode of Project 39. That's right, episode one. We're finally getting this thing off the ground. Uh, I got a special guest today, uh, Madison native, lifelong resident, singer, songwriter, musician, Rusty Bladen's joining us. I uh, sat down, had a great conversation with Rusty. He shared his thoughts on uh, his career, uh, living in Madison, his, uh, the, the songwriting process, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Stick around. Talk to you later. Rusty Bladen, thanks for joining us today. How you doing? Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate doing it. great. All right. So, uh, for those few people that don't know who you are, would you take a minute and just kind of introduce yourself to us? Well, I'm a uh, musician, singer, songwriter, performer. Uh, born and raised in Madison, Indiana. I have, travel. Have you always lived in Madison? Yes. Never uh, lived anywhere else. Never lived anywhere else. That's cool. I live uh, three blocks from the hospital I was born in. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, um, I love Madison, but I, I do most of my shows uh, outside of Madison. I like to travel uh, between Indianapolis, Cincinnati, and Louisville, a lot of small okay. towns in between. Yeah, cool. Uh, so what, what's your family situation? Family situation is good. How far do you want me to go back? <laughs> well, um, as much as you want to share. Okay, well... Um, See, I've got I've got uh, four kids, two older kids uh, from previous marriage, Neil and Annie Bladen. Neil's thirty three. He's a pharmacist, and Annie works in a bank in Louisville. And my younger kids, Jackson, he, he'll be twenty this summer. He's uh, also a musician. He plays in my band part time, uh, tearing that piano up, and uh, he also works part time at uh, River Terrace in Madison. Okay. And uh, my daughter Lydia is uh, preparing to go to IU. She, um, uh, going to be, she's, she's, she's 18. So okay. she'll be graduating this year. So we're looking forward to that milestone. Yeah. That's cool. That's exciting. Uh, I think what's your older daughter's name? Annie. Annie. I think she was in my, my daughter, Katie's class in school at, uh, at Madison yeah. or Eo Muncie a long yeah, time ago. Yeah. A long time ago. Could so be. I think so. Now you, you mentioned Jackson. Uh, so yeah, I had the pleasure of seeing him a couple times on the, the keyboards and he's, it, it's, uh, it's something, he's just tearing it up. I mean, you, you can see him getting better every time you see him. So he's, uh, he's got quite a talent and, uh, he's quite an addition to, to your group there. Thanks. He would, uh, he would love to hear that. Cause you know, he gets, uh, just like any musician, you know, it, it, what keeps you going is the, uh, you know, the, the confidence and the, and the compliments and stuff like that. You just, it just, it right. keeps you going. Well, Trust me, I think we're we're all our harshest critics, you know. Yeah. I mean, we beat ourselves up a lot more than other people beat us up, I believe. But no, he's, uh, I saw him a year or two ago, I think you were at Streamcliff, he was playing with you there, maybe somewhere else. But anyway, he was with you. And then I saw you at uh, St. Patrick's Day down at uh, Mad Paddle. And that, he, was, was, uh, that was a great a show. Blast. He yes. was He was killing it there. Uh, now that night, you had a whole band with you, even a uh, fiddle. Yes. Is that something that we're going to see more of? or is that Yes. Um, not all the shows, but uh, I like to interchange. Uh, Karina Wills is uh, the young lady's name that, that really uh, added so much bringing her fiddle that night. Uh, she plays with uh, several different bands out of Indiana, so I just get her when she's free. Okay. You know, yeah. and, and when I play certain shows that... Um, that warrants having a bigger band. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of my shows, uh, probably 80% of my shows 
are as a duo with myself and Tyler Brindle. Tyler does the percussion and, mm-hmm. and sings some amazing background vocals. He's a great musician. So we go out and uh, do most of our shows just he and I. For the bigger things, that uh, then I will get the full band. Yeah. I got Marty Miller on the bass, and um, of course Tyler plays the drums, and Jackson's playing the um, the piano. And then on certain shows, I'll have Michael Fortunato on the saxophone, and Karina on the fiddle, and a young fella from Scottsburg, uh, Ray Bowling on lead guitar. Those are for the bigger shows, and there's going to be a few of them this summer coming up. All right, good. Yeah, that that was a lot of fun that night. Uh, so how uh, how would you describe your music? If you had to pigeonhole yourself in any category, what would it be? Yep, I get asked this all the time. Yeah. And it's really hard because, um, you know, I grew up on country music when, when the only radio in the house belonged to my father, and he pretty much mm-hmm. hoarded the radio with WSM out of Nashville, Tennessee, the Grand Ole Opry station. So, you know, we were just, you know, all I got to really listen to unless it was on the school bus or somewhere else, uh, was dad's radio and country. So big influence country. And then junior high, I got a cassette player. And, and when dad would leave the house, we'd change it over to a rock station. And, and so I've got both mix, rock and, and country. And so I call it homegrown rock and roll. Okay. Just for, you know, just for lack of better way to describe it. It's Midwest, sort of a Mellencamp, Springsteen, Mixed with some, some Merle Haggard and some Leonard Skinner, and yeah. just yeah. homegrown rock and roll. Yeah. That's that's a pretty good way to describe. It. It's a good mix. Uh, so, you talk about growing up, the influence music had. When did you decide you wanted to be a musician? Oh, probably fourth grade. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I took lessons uh, from a fellow by the name of Charlie Humphrey in town. There was a little music store on Main Street called Drake Music Store. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty close to the corner of Jefferson and Maine. Um, and Charlie, he was, uh, I think the only person giving guitar lessons back then. So anybody growing up in the seventies that took guitar lessons, took them from Charlie Humphrey and he never taught you how to read music. He just taught you how to play music. And, um, so that's, I took lessons for about a year and a half and believe it or not, uh, signed up to play basketball (laughs) and, Basketball fell on the same day as guitar lessons, so I chose basketball back then and didn't pick it back up until after high school. Oh, wow. So that's when I really kicked in was just right right after high school. Okay. Was there any certain person that influenced you or just something you wanted to do yourself? Did anyone... Um, You know, other other guitar players around town at the time, a guy named Matt Inskeep, there were... um, uh, Charlie, my my guitar teacher, and I had a cousin who played guitar. Um, so mostly my my influences came from, um, you know, just listening to records and watching yeah. bands on TV. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so when you did, so did you tell your folks one day that you know I'm getting ready to graduate high school and I'm going to be a musician? Is that uh, is that how that conversation went? Or, um, or not really. Of... You know, um, they were pretty open you know they pretty much let us do whatever we wanted to do and i didn't it didn't have to get any any permission or anything like that i just that just seemed what that's just what happened naturally okay uh anybody ever try to talk you out of it well my mom did a little bit (laughs) my mom did a little bit (laughs) but uh it didn't work yeah Yeah, moms have a way of worrying about us right yeah okay so you come out of high school you start playing uh 
was mostly around Madison? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, Scottsburg, Seymour. Okay. Uh, so what year would that have been? Well, um, the first uh, – I can remember the <laughs> – funny story. The first uh, time I remember being on stage was a talent show, and it would have been um, – it would have been probably 81, maybe, okay. 81. It was a 4-H fair talent contest. Oh, really? I was a couple of years older than the other guys in the band. I was I was 19, and the other guys were 18 and 17. They were high school guys, and they asked me to come be their singer. So we uh, went out there, and we won the uh, 4-H fair yeah. talent contest. Played some 38 special and a couple other Leonard Skinner songs, and and then we went to the state fair, and when we got to the state fair, they found out that I was too old to be oh really in competition, and so the parents of the other the other get the other uh, musicians' parents said, "Well, uh, we're not going to drive up to Indianapolis and get disqualified because Rusty's too old. Yeah. You know, either yeah. either you know he has to he has to sit this one out, or we we won't take our boys up there." Right. So I said, "Fair enough. I don't blame you. I go on without me." And then so our guitar player sang instead of me, mm-hmm. and they still won second place. Oh, really? And guess who beat them? Who beat them? A, a, a group of cloggers. <laughs> <laughs> they were playing Judas Priest, and they got they got beat by some cloggers. Well, no offense, but I think I'd like to see that too. Yeah. You know, so, uh, so you were playing with a band then. About eighty one was when we first formed a band called Aura here in okay. Madison. All right. And uh, you had you had uh, Mark Bear, Darren Lowry, and uh, uh, T- uh, Todd Brindle. Um, so we now, Todd Brindle's that. That's Tyler's dad. Okay, all yeah. right. So the guy's playing drums for you now. My drummer's you dad and his... I were in were in first band together. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, we played uh, mostly the bars and some parties. There was yeah. a place called the Hereford Lounge in Madison. Yeah, we played a lot. I remember that? And the Dark Horse uh, across the street. Yeah. Back then, uh, those places would just be so packed. There would be a line outside, and and then uh, then they started cracking down on the on the drunk drivers, and, mm-hmm. but. Still, it's picking up. My, live music is is really starting to uh, become more popular in, around here, especially. Okay. Well, and that's something I want to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, so you were with Aura, and you mentioned Mark Bear and uh, some of those folks. Are any of those guys still playing? Or are they yeah, all... Mark, Mark is playing, and uh, Daryl Hewitt is still playing. Uh, Darren Lowry, our lead guitar player, he lives in, uh, he lives in uh, California now. He's, uh, he's got an album out. He comes back and we jam every now and okay. then. Yeah, it's great times. So, why did you decide to go solo? Um, because I wanted to write songs, and I knew that, that to have really a career, um, you can't just play other people's music. Right. And um, um, they wanted. To, no one was really interested in writing back then. They weren't. You know, and, and we got in the 80s, if you remember what was popular, were lead singers with super high voices. Mm-hmm. You know, Ozzy, Bon Jovi, uh, Winger, and every yeah. every band that hit the radio had high voices. A lot of hair, too. A lot of hair and a lot of makeup, did a lot you of spandex. The, did you have the big hair? We did all that. <laughs> we did. I've got pictures that I'm so embarrassed of. <laughs> and, yes, we, we did all that because, you know, if you didn't do that at that time, you were more or less looked at as behind the times yeah, or, or right. in a country band, yeah. you know, but to be right there in the rock and roll scene, you had to dress like them and 
sound like him and all that. So we did that. Yeah. We were doing Rat and Van Halen and all that yeah. kind of stuff until the point where I knew I was singing out of my range, okay. my natural range. Okay. I was doing it. I was doing it, you know, night after night after night, but I could tell that it was going to take its toll after a while. So I told the guys, listen, we've got to, we've got to start picking songs in my range and writing our own, get our own style. And uh, they, they weren't, at that time, weren't too interested in doing that. We wrote, we wrote a few originals, but uh, people had, you know, uh, Darren went to college, and and uh, Mark went into business with his dad at the furniture store, and different mm-hmm. things. Just kind of, right. we we just kind of fell apart, and uh, and that's when I started my own, just starting writing my own songs. Okay. Put out my first album in '93. Oh, okay, wow. So, did the pressure feel like it ramped up when you went out on your own? Not really. You, really, you were ready no. for it. I was the boss. I could yeah. do what I wanted well, to do. That's, there's something <laughs> to be said for that. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned a minute ago about uh, what the scene was like back then. I remember, you know, Dark Horse, Herefords. I think there was a Rusty Nail out of Hanover. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebel Room. Was out Rebel there Room, Hanover yes. One time, they didn't even go down to Chelsea where you had uh, Tom and Tom Jerry's, and Jerry's Daddy played Banks. there one time. Played so, there a couple so, times. Yeah. So there, there were a lot of music places back then. Uh, a lot of places to go see live music. Uh, then, like I say, it kind of fell off for a while. So what's what's it like now? Right now, as far as Madison is concerned, uh, I think uh, a lot, uh, a lot of credit goes to the Madison music movement. Okay, uh, Todd Boone and uh, Dr. Dave Butler and several others from Madison uh, formed a, formed the Madison music movement, and their goal is to make Madison Indiana's music city. Okay, and I believe we're well on the path. Uh, we, we're, you know, trying to open up more music venues and draw more music um, fans and, and musicians to come live here. Um, so that's already starting to happen. They bought a building on 2nd Street, and it's uh, soon, soon to be a recording studio, but right now it's open to um, uh, musicians to go rehearse there. They have, really? a, they have a drum kit there and some speakers and microphones to, uh, you know, help younger bands who are starting out if they don't have a place to practice, they can contact okay. the Madison Music Movement. We practice there uh, about a once a month ourselves. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So do, do they have? Uh, I'm assuming they got something social media or website. Yes, or there is a web. There is a Facebook page, Madison Music Movement. Okay, I'll I'll look it up and see if we can link it on the show notes yeah. here because uh, that, that's that's a pretty good resource to have. You know, uh, yeah, it's hard to hard to play some of this music in your in your basement or in your garage or I mean a lot, a lot of people do it but sometimes the neighbors don't like it or right. your mom doesn't like it so yeah having a place like that would be pretty nice to to have um so yeah it does seem like there's plenty of places popping up in Madison now for mm-hmm. for, for live music um so things you know were kind of turned around and then COVID hit so what did that do Due to your business or your, or your uh, ability to perform, well, it pretty much killed it. Except yeah. for the fact that um, I did these live streams. Okay. If it hadn't been for the live streams, yeah, I would I would have really been in bad shape. Really? But fortunately, I have a a pretty good fan base, yeah. and uh, I've built a fan base over the years. You know, we collect names at shows, we put them on an email list, and. And uh, we got a big Facebook following and all that, so I just set up, um, I just set up my phone and uh, a mixer and some microphones in my house. And when it when it when it really went into lockdown, I started doing it every single night except for Sunday. Oh, really? I was doing a live stream 
a 30-minute live stream show at 8.30 every night. And, um, you know, I would take requests, and I'd do special nights where I'd do a 50s night or a 60s yeah. night or, a, you know, different. Uh, we do tributes to uh, artists who passed away during COVID. Okay. Um, and it uh, it did really well, and, and you know, uh, I'm very, very thankful that people were sending tips at yeah. the time and oh, yeah. kept kept me afloat. Yeah. Yeah. Venmo, right? Not only that. Yeah, Venmo, PayPal. <laughs> um, not only that, but what really kept us afloat was people telling us every night how much that we were keeping them, yeah, you know, right. inspired. Was... And said, so, man, we look forward to it every night. We got nothing else to do. Some we, sort of distraction. It keeps yeah. us, yeah, it, it just keeps yeah. us going. and. Sometimes I say, you know, you just make my make my night every night. People yeah. are tuning in every night almost. Yeah. So leading up to that, uh, I think you mentioned this uh, last fall when we were talking that you were looking like one of your best years ever as far as bookings <laughs> and everything. You said, oh and yeah, then, uh, and just, the bottom just dropped out. out. Yeah, that's gotta kill you. Okay? Yeah, especially when you depend on that for your living. You know? mm-hmm. So, uh, so now, so mask mandates are being lifted and. Some of the things, you know, we got vaccines now, so things are opening back up. Are you starting to see more bigger crowds, more bookings available? Uh, All of the above, Brian. All of the above. This, uh, um, right now, I'm booked up farther than I have been several years in the past. Oh, really? Usually I'd stay booked, you know, three months in advance and I'd be the calendar to be full Mm -hmm. three months. But now we're booked up almost, almost solid uh, through November. Really? Um, got a few dates open in October and a few in November. Uh, I've even got dates in December. I think people are just dying to get out. They're, they've so been too. cooped up so long, and they're they're throwing parties. They're going, you know, uh, clubs are opening up, and it's just, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's solid right now. Yeah, that's and good. and and the crowds have it's, been great. Really, yeah. So, uh, well, speaking of that, so we talked. Uh, I think it was Friday on the phone for a few minutes setting this up and uh you were getting ready for your uh derby eve show yeah so uh how did that go um derby oh that was in louisville yeah <laughs> sometimes i forget yeah no, play I'm sure so yeah so you were at uh patrick oh, o'shea's no, on main street in louisville so the one downtown there's several yeah, right, o'shea's in right, louisville, right a block yeah. away from the yum center okay on main street okay um so what's it like to play uh louisville on derby eve oh i'll tell you they they it was like they were drinking like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> a lot of them were from out of town. We met people from New York, Texas, uh, Alabama, Florida, and you know, and 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 folks from Louisville too. Um, but they were just, you know, they were there to have a good time, and yeah. they were getting, you know, gearing up for the Derby yeah. and everything. Yeah. It was just a fantastic night. You couldn't even walk in the place; it was so full. Really? Yeah. It was. I mean, did you see any other places now? Was it every, every place down there looking like I don't know, because we just went to our show, set yeah. up and played and left. Yeah. All right. But yeah, I know you were pretty excited about that one. That's yeah. Gotta, that's got to be a blast to play Louisville on Derby. It is. It is. Okay. Well, so you played O'Shea's down in Louisville. Uh, talk about being booked. What, what's some of your favorite places to play? You know, it's not always the size of the venue mm-hmm. or the location. It really boils down to the energy in the crowds. It doesn't even have to be a big crowd. It could be a, a small crowd that are just so into your music. You know, they're yeah. singing along or yeah. they, you know, they know the words or whatever. You know, I can, I can say that I played Lucas Oil Stadium and that was, that was a great experience. We did that three, three times for Colts games. Okay. 
And um, and then, you know, some of the small places I play, uh, I like the Mad Paddle in Madison. People are, you know, you get some really good music lovers there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a long list. I, I really couldn't, I, I can't pinpoint my favorite. Okay. It's like, it's like your kids. You can't really pinpoint you your favorite. favorite. Or people ask me what my favorite band is, and I really couldn't or my favorite album that i put out right. it's hard to pinpoint the yeah. number one each one's different right yeah yeah they all have yeah that makes sense uh so you've been doing this for what how many years now well years now? if you count the first the first year that i played in in uh, as an amateur in 81 so we're looking at yeah 30 some years yeah so uh everybody gets burnt out how do you uh I mean, does there ever you you've got a show booked, and you're just like I just I'm just not feeling it tonight. I really don't. Is that something you have to Honestly, battle after this length of time? Or is I that think t- that's what's kept me going is because I don't get that. That's awesome. I don't. I don't. I mean, there have been times when I didn't feel good, had a cold yeah. or a sinus infection or yep. something, and didn't want to cancel and would yeah. rather stay home. But once you get out there and and you you know you see that people are having fun and you're you're. You're putting little joy in their lives, and yeah. they're singing along and clapping, and you just kind of, you Get know, it. yeah. it's like people ask me, "Well, how many times have you played uh, Brown Eyed Girl yeah. or Wagon Wheel or certain songs that are sometimes overplayed by bands?" Right. And uh, of course, I don't play them much anymore. But but uh, when I do, even though I've played those certain songs thousands of times, I could do them in my sleep. When I see the when I see the crowd light up, it's like a whole new energy just came. Yeah. It's like, so you know you're pleasing them, so it just comes right back to you. Yeah, well, that's awesome. You got a got a job where you don't have to fight that uh, that fatigue and mm-hmm. don't have to get yourself just talked into going into work or something. So, so yeah, far, so good. Man. You're lucky man. So far, so good. All right. So, as a musician, uh, what what kind of music do you listen to? You're driving down the road in your car by yourself, and you yeah. can listen to anything. What do, what do you? Oh, it's it's all over the map. Yeah, you know. Um, do you seek out uh, like new? I try new music, to sometimes. Or you I try to. Oldies? It's hard to find new music, new good music um, that that fall in my taste or mm-hmm. my style. Yeah, I've been listening to some Tyler Childers lately. Really like yeah. his stuff. Yeah, um, Chris Stapleton, and then and then I've always you know I've always got my favorites. Uh, you know, the Beatles, the Stones, Tom Petty, Springsteen. Uh, I listened to just the other day. I listened to um, an Ario Speedwagon album from front to back. Yeah. It was a double live yeah. album, and I used to have it. I think I still I, I have it on vinyl. But it had been so many years since I listened to that album. It just brought back so much, so many mm-hmm. good memories. Yeah. And it and the and the recording was just fantastic. I've forgotten how good they really were yeah. before they got popular in the mainstream. And they started doing all the slow love ballads. I know they made more money and they got more popular then. But uh, you know, before they replaced Gary Richrath as lead guitar player, they, I recommend everybody go out and listen to that album right now. It's Which great. one is it? It's called um, the Oh gosh, what is I it? It's, a, it, it's a, one of the biggest. Uh, it was one of the biggest live albums ever put out. Uh, you get what you play for. I think is the oh, name okay. of it. Okay, yep, I've heard that one. All right, we'll have to check it out. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, you know, you talked about 
growing up, your dad, you know, this country music and everything. And our family's the same way, you know, every, you know, every week we're watching Hee Haw, you know, religiously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, our family vacations were, were Opryland. Yeah. I mean, it was all country music. Then, yeah. You know, and uh, probably the band or the group that I've seen more than any others, the Statler brothers. I've seen them, I don't know, a dozen times because every time they'd come around, dad would have to go see them, you know, and he'd drag us along. And, uh, you know, just, just the other day, I, uh, got on Amazon music and found one of their best of albums mm-hmm. and listened to it all. And you, you forget, I mean, you haven't listened to them for ages, you know, and just the, the way they harmonized and, the, yes. and just how good they were. They were you great. Know? Uh, did you ever hear of, um, the, the parody comedy album they did? No, I my guess dad not. had that album, it, and it is hilarious. Oh yeah, they uh, it's called uh, well, Road, they were funny as could be in Roadhog and the Cadillac Cowboys. Okay, and they uh, it's it's like a parody of a radio station, and the music is terrible on purpose. Yeah, and it's just funny. It's recommend that one too. I'll check it out. And then uh, Daly and Vincent, the bluegrass group, they did uh, a whole album of uh, Statler covers, which oh, was yeah. really good. Yeah. They kind of put a different twist on them, but they're still the same song. So that, that's one I definitely recommend. Uh, so as a musician, when you're listening to music, do you do you listen to music differently? Like I go down the road and I, I hear something, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds kind of neat. Yeah. Like, I mean, do you listen, do you hear things or look for things or... Well, I've always been a big, uh, I've always been big into to, to lyrics. Okay. You know, I, I pretty much take, soak in every word. Okay. Uh, because, you know, it's inspiration. You know, there's stories, there's, you know, it, it, you know, could be mood changers. And to me, my, a lot of my education have come from song lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, and then, you know, I listen to the, the, in, the instrumentation too, and, and the uh, arrangements, uh, and a lot of times, yeah, we we do pick out parts, you know, mm-hmm. and listen a little deeper. But I do I do pay attention. That's what that's what actually got me into wanting to play music in high school was lyrics more than more okay. than even music because I knew it would be a way to express myself and 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 be an outlet. You know, I, I felt I was creative in something, but and and the the thing that really really turned turning point was my eighth grade English teacher. Mm-hmm. His name is uh, Mr. Bradley. And uh, he brought a record player in one day and he passed out the lyrics to this, to this Elton John song. It's called Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was, our, that was our assignment was to listen to that song and, and write what we thought that song was about or what it meant to us. Okay. And I thought, this is deep. Yeah. This, this is, I like this. So that's that's when I started writing lyrics. Yeah. And, so, so is there a songwriter that uh, just the, the layperson's never heard of that's one that you really like or one that's had a lot of influence on you? Neil Young, because everybody's heard yeah. of Neil Young. Yeah, he had still, a lot of inf- yeah. influence on me okay. er, early on. Um, like I said, the, the other bands I mentioned earlier have, have been big influences. Yeah. It's a lot of times we don't know who the songwriters are or mm-hmm. and, uh, did, did most of those guys do their own uh, songwriting? I think all the song, all the all of my favorite artists are writers, right. too. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, let's talk about the songwriting process a little bit. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, how, how do you get inspired? How do you just do you just decide today? I've got nothing else to do. I'm going to write a song. The the real good ones do. Really, the professionals do. Yeah. They, I mean, like down in Nashville. 
they'll, I mean. That's got to be tough when it's your job. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they clock in yeah. at 10 o'clock in the morning like it's their job and say, well, we got to write, we got to write a song today. A lot of times it'll be a, um, a cooperative effort between mm-hmm. two or three songwriters together. And what do we write about? And somebody picks a subject or they say, well, here, I got a good, I've got a good title. This, let's start with there. Or, or I've got three chords that sound good together. Let's start there. Um, and it's pretty much the same way with me. I don't, I've only co-written a few songs. Um, but the best thing, and, and if you, I've written or read, uh, many songwriting books and pretty much all of them say, uh, you either have to carry a notebook around with you or nowadays on your phone and, and you might get an idea just anywhere it might just pop in out of nowhere you might overhear a conversation somebody says something funny or something profound or whatever and and if you don't write it down at that moment you're going to lose it right so you you have to have a notebook of a bunch of different titles or uh, catchy lines and mm-hmm. phrases and stuff like that um as far as music um a lot of times i get my inspiration from learning somebody else's song okay so i'll be uh learning a uh like a Tom Petty song. And I'll take those four chords and I'll either speed them up, slow them down, or put an extra chord or take mm-hmm. one out and change the arrangement and come up with something on my own. Okay. Uh, it ends up not really even sounding a bit like what I started with. But. Right. So which do you find to be more difficult, lyrics or music? Or which do you, do you usually write the lyrics first and the music or is it somehow it just comes to you? or It's both. Okay. It, it's both. Sometimes uh, I've got, I've probably got ten new songs right here on this phone. Yeah. That all I have is 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 just bits and pieces of music. Okay. And and me just kind of making noises that sound like words. Oh yeah. And just trying to sing a melody, you know. Yeah. Or or even just nonsense, non just putting any old words together, mm-hmm. and then and then then I go back and I think, well, what words can I put there that really mean something? <laughs> wow. That's uh, yeah. It's gotta be. I, I can't imagine. I mean, uh, just sit down and, you know, not only you, you gotta come up with something good. You're putting your your yourself into it, right? It's gotta be. Uh, it's gotta be a tough process. You know? And it has to be something. You know, you you do you do sort of write for yourself, but you don't. You also have to write for everybody. What people want to hear and what you got. What you think they might connect with. The 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 uh, the ideal thing is to have a person listen to a song and say oh he's singing that about me or i experienced the same exact thing so they can relate and that's that's kind of the hard thing it's hard to it's hard to keep them simple too yeah so was one ever finished do you ever finish one and then three months later while you're playing think, man i wish i'd have done this different or i wish i'd have used a different word here or yeah and a couple times i go ahead and change the word just not chiseled in stone yeah Yeah. so how as a person who's performed and been in the music business as long as you have and i mean your your whole life revolves around music right you you play it you listen to it how as a songwriter how how do you ensure you don't plagiarize? That's got. I always think that's got to be so hard because you hear stuff everywhere. Right? Yeah, and, and like you're talking about writing something down. Well, did I hear that on the radio? Yeah, or did I hear that at the you know at the gas station when buying lottery tickets or something? So and it's that's really easy because sometimes I've done that before. I've I've written a written a song only to find out that it did sound like something else. So you you either you just have to change it, you know, or you ha- or start all over, or um, like. 
But there is one. Uh, a lot of people don't know that you uh, you can only copyright a certain amount of musical bars, and I think it's eight or twelve. Okay. If it sounds like something that long, then it then it belongs to the person who wrote it. If okay. it sounds just like it, but if you go only four or five notes and then change it, it's your own song. Okay. And also, you cannot copy copyright a title. You can copyright a line or a verse, but you know how many songs you think are called "I Love You." Oh, or, yeah. You know you cannot you can't copyright a title. Really, I didn't realize that. I found that out early on in my <laughs> songwriting. <laughs> you tried career. to do it? <laughs> no, I just I just just by by reading up okay. and doing research. Yeah. So, just curious the so the music you play in your shows. Uh, the covers you do. Do you have to pay royalties or anything to perform those live? It's... Technically, no, because um, it's up to the licensing um, companies. They, they um, It's up to the venue. They buy a license, and it covers all artists who play. Okay. And it's I, I don't know I don't know what that costs, but they pay a fee once a year. So any music they play in there, whether it be a jukebox or a band or the radio, they're they're covered. Okay. And supposedly that money goes to the artists, but I really I'm really suspicious about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure because I mean, how do they know? How down, do they know yeah. how much to send Jimmy Buffett? Who played a Jimmy Buffett song right. last weekend? Yeah. How yeah. do they know? Yeah, I'm sure that uh, others get their cut first. For yeah. Oh yeah, the they cover I'm all sure. their expenses first. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. So. Uh, so you write a new song, or or you you hear uh, someone else come out with a song, and you think I want to add that to my show. How long? How, what's the process to to add that? I mean, is it something you have to practice for weeks? Or it under- depends on how difficult and how many lyrics are in the song. Okay, you know, if the song has a lot of words, yeah. Uh, I just I just recently learned um, a song. Well, the song was uh, written by Rodney Crowell, but it was made famous by the Oak Ridge Boys. Amy Lou Harris had a version of it. Leaving Louisiana? That's it. Yeah, that's a great song. And when I heard Shovels and Ropes' version, I thought, we've got to cover it now because I'm a huge fan of all of those bands, especially Rodney Crowell. He's a great songwriter. So that song has so many lyrics. It literally took me days to memorize them. Yeah. I had to write them out by hand several times, you know, just to, and practice, practice, practice. I'm one that, I'm one that, I'm kind of a stickler for not using a a music stand or an iPod. Yeah. Uh, and I always joke and tell the guys in my band, I said, you will never see me use a music stand yeah. or an iPod until I get too old to remember the lyrics. Then, then you'll know that I've, that Alzheimer's has set in or something. <laughs> so, yeah. So lyrics generally harder to memorize than the, the music? Again, it depends on how many chords are in the song okay. and how difficult it is. Okay. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it just depends on 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 the difficulty of the song. And do you regularly rotate songs in and out of your sets? Or oh yes, okay. I make it a point it to do that. Okay, we uh, Tyler and I know about close to five hundred cover tunes, and what I'll do is I'll I'll keep the old song list, and when we go back to that same venue, we'll play all different songs. Okay, so as to not burn okay. our audience yeah. out. Now, how about taking requests? Is that stressful? No, and really? you know, I've, yeah, I as long a, as they request something, I know. <laughs> right. I saw an interview. It's been years ago. Uh, 
Willie Nelson. He was on some show and, you know, it was an interview and, and then, you know, he was going to play some songs. They asked him to play, I, I can't remember what it was. It was one of, I mean, one of his big ones. Yeah. And he couldn't. Because he, he'd learned so he's, many other songs he, between now and then. Well, he just said, he goes, we play these in an order. Yeah. In a concert, I play this one and that one and that one. Yeah. I can't just jump in and play one, you know, without doing those others first yeah. to lead up. Well, to you know, at that level, a lot of bands do that. But now Springsteen will. I mean, people people bring big cardboard uh, poster board and they write the request and they hold it up and he'll look out in the crowd and, and have his roadie go, yeah. go grab that board and he'll hold it up, let everybody see what they wrote, and yeah. then he'll play the song yeah. and just squeeze it in the show. So. I guess it's uh, I guess it's how you memorize them and how you perform them. Right? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, th- I thought that was crazy that you can do do songs, you know, do a song that many times. It's like I'm sure Willie Nelson had done that song, but he just totally drew a blank. You know, well, they probably so. it could have been that, or it could have been they like like um, I have uh, friends that play in John Mellencamp's band, mm-hmm. and they'll rehearse six eight hours a day right before they go on tour mm-hmm. and they will do the same songs in the same order every town so they know what's coming up next and you know very rarely do they go out of that that um order the song order yeah. well i guess when you're doing it at that level you want to mm-hmm. you know put on a people, great show well, people pay to come see the show right mm-hmm. so you want to give them what they paid for so all right so if you weren't doing this Right, so like uh, I watched a movie the other night, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Right, Brian May, he was going to be an astrophysicist or something. Right, I guess he even went on and did that. You know, after the band got mm-hmm. big, yeah. You know, so uh, what would Rusty Bladen be doing if he wasn't a musician? More than likely, art. Yeah, because I I took art in high school, and that was my one of my first uh, uh, dreams was to, you know to be an artist, and um, I do uh, I do some mosaic guitars. Um, it would be something in the creative world, you know, it's something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That or mow grass. Yeah. Well, hey, there's plenty <laughs> of that to be done around here too right now. I have a grass so. mowing song I'll play for you sometime. <laughs> I'd like to hear it. Yeah, as much as I mow around here, I'd, uh, that'd be fitting. So. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. That's really all I had. Is there anything else you wanted to cover today? Anything you um, want to talk about? We're, we'll get, uh, yeah, we're going to wrap up with like where people can get a hold of you and all. But, uh. Yeah, that's that's basically it. I mean, I uh, you know I think it's a great thing. Uh, you know, when these uh, these podcasts that, that people are doing, I think it, it's a great thing because um, you know it gives people more a chance to to learn about me right. and and whatever yeah. your subject is. Yeah. And um, I just you know thank thank all the fans that come out to the shows and because uh, yeah, I couldn't do yeah. it without them. And that's what we're trying to do, give people a way to connect with some mm-hmm. of these folks. I, and like you, I've, I've known you for several years, seen you play, I don't know how many times, but uh, you know, I feel like I feel like I get to know you now a little bit. So Likewise. Uh, I appreciate it. So if people want to find out uh, where you're playing or any other information, where can they get a hold of you or follow you? And this is a – I use this line on stage a lot. Okay. Um what what they need to do is they need to go to rustybladen.com mm-hmm. and look up the schedule and just show up. Okay. That's what I do every Thursday. <laughs> I go on to rustybladen.com, look up the schedule and I show up. Yeah. <laughs> and Facebook, we have a I have a huge Facebook uh two Facebook pages actually. Okay. Um so that's that's the best way. Okay. All right. We'll we'll uh, link to all those on the show notes too and uh 
Oh, one more thing, Brian. Sure. Well, if got. they do go on to the uh, RustyBlading.com, there's also um, uh, a place on there where they can um, sign up. And I'm going to be giving away a, a free house party concert where I come to someone's house oh, and, wow. and play for free. We have a drawing. So, and that's going to be coming up pretty soon. Oh, that'd be a lot of fun. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, Rusty. I mean, it's been a pleasure talking to you and, and getting to know you a little bit better. And, uh, you know, appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to come out here. Uh, I know. I feel like I've learned a lot more about you. Hopefully everybody else has too. So thanks. Yeah. Well, it was, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll be seeing you around soon. Thanks. Six in the morning, the sun's coming up. Tony's out back, loading up the truck with ladders and brushes and paint and stuff. He's ready to go to work in a faded blue flannel shirt. Starts up the engine, heads down the road It's a beautiful day, but it's a little bit cold Gonna do the job like you've been told Always keeps his word Wearing a blue flannel shirt No fancy tie No cutaway coat No tight white collar choking his throat And he says he's proud Of a little bit of dirt and the freedom that it feels in a blue flannel shirt.